every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. For tomorrow I know. All those good girls and boys will wake bright and early. They'll rush for their toys and then... Oh, that noise, oh, that noise, 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 noise. There's one thing I hate. All oh, that noise, noise. Noise, noise. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat. I'll make a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. He chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I'll look just like Saint Nick. As a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black heel. That's fun. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas Eve, Eve. My name is Pastor Larry, and I have a confession to make. This holiday season, I have been a Grinch, and I've been a Grinch on the most wonderful day of the year to boot. Let me explain what I mean by that. So a couple weeks ago, um, my wife and I wanted to take a day and just kind of pack in all of our favorite Christmas traditions into this day, and we called this day the most wonderful day of the year. So we went to Zoo Lights, we watched our favorite Christmas movie, which is Elf, by the way, and we did a whole bunch of other stuff. My particular contribution to the most wonderful day of the year is to make Chex Mix. I have been working on a particular uh, variation of the Chex Mix recipe for years. I've honed it to perfection, and every Christmas holiday I make Chex Mix. It is the best Chex Mix in the world, I must say. So, um, there it is. Now, Megan's contribution to my contribution was to suggest that we give the Chex Mix away to our neighbors. Which is a grand idea. Of course we would give the best Chex Mix in the world away to our neighbors, right? It's a great gift. But then she was like, well, let's, how much should we give? How about three cups per neighbor? My eyes started getting big. And we start putting these Chex Mix into these bags for our neighbors. And pretty quickly we realized that was not going to be near enough for our neighbors. Much less for me to enjoy the Chex Mix I made. I have to admit, there was one point 
seriously, where I thought to myself, looking at the dregs of Chex Mix left over for me, I thought, our neighbors better be grateful for this. You know, and if I had looked in a mirror at that point and looked at myself, I'm sure my skin would have been green and my eyes would have been red. I was the Grinch. I, seriously, I was the Grinch. On the most wonderful day of the year to boot. Lord help me. So we have been going through uh, the Christmas story this month in December. And we have been using classic Christmas movies like How the Grinch Stole Christmas or Miracle on 34th Street or my favorite, The Elf. And we've been using these movies to reflect on the Christmas story. But we've been doing it with a twist, right? We haven't been looking at Matthew and Luke where our normal Christmas stories are with the the manger and the angels in the sky. None of that. We've been looking in John. And of course, the essence of the Christmas story is about Jesus coming, right? Jesus is coming. So that's in John all over the place, right? John is all about Jesus' coming. So we've been exploring Jesus' coming in John chapter 1. And if you've been following along, you know that it's been really kind of grand theological stuff. But in all of that, John's been weaving this guy, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has been popping up here and there in the introduction. But the part that we're getting to now, we get to see John the Baptist come onto the scene. The action is here. So if you have been... Um, Following along, it's kind of like, if you've ever seen a Star Wars movie, how many of you have seen Star Wars? A few of you guys? Okay. You know the intro of Star Wars always has that opening crawl of a bunch of text a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the camera pans down after all that text is gone and we begin the action. That's exactly like what's happening in John chapter 1 in our passage this morning. So why don't you turn in your Bibles with me if you have it, or you can read on the screen. And let's read John chapter 1, starting in verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Jesus, this morning we ask that you would make this word real to us. Lord, that we would know your Holy Spirit, that we would experience him this morning, your presence with us, changing us, making us more like you, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you can sense how excited John the Baptist is in this passage. The first word he says is, behold, look, and it's kind of like a celebrity sighting times 10. I mentioned Elf earlier. If you remember that movie, you know that when Buddy finds out that Santa is coming, he says, Santa! Right? So that's what's going on here. John is so excited about Jesus coming, he's just pumped about it, right? And what does he say? Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So why does that excite him? Why does taking away the sin of the world excite John the Baptist? 
Well, John the Baptist was in the business of repentance. It's in his name, right? John the Baptist. Baptism, okay? So baptism wasn't something that John invented, by the way. It didn't start with him. It was happening years and years before. It was, it was a part of Jewish religious culture. That when you joined the Jewish community or, or you needed to make a change in your life, you would get baptized. Especially for Gentiles, outsiders who were coming into the Jewish community, you would, you would get baptized because it was a symbol. It was a way of saying, I renounce my former way of life and I rinse myself of it. Literally, with water, right? So that's what baptism is. What, nowadays, we would say, if you were to say something like, I renounce, that would be what we would call Repentance. I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Repentance, right? So for John, baptism is repentance. They're the same thing in his mind, right? So he is, he is doing a baptism of repentance. Now here's the deal about repentance. It's not exactly a hot topic nowadays. As a matter of fact, I did a little bit of research on this. If you've ever heard of Google Trends, it's a website that you can look up certain words or topics or phrases And see how much they're trending, how popular they are, based on how much people are searching for those words or topics. So when we look up repentance, this is what it looks like on Google Trends. So, you know, a moderate amount of interest. You can see there's a little spike there in 2014. That's because the movie Repentance came out, starring Forrest Whitaker. So I don't think that spike really counts as interest in repentance per se. But there's some interest there. By the way, side note, turns out that if you are interested in searching for repentance on the internet, you are most likely to be from Utah. Go figure. So, um, now I was thinking, what is, what is the opposite of repentance nowadays? What would we consider the opposite of repentance? And what is a phrase or something that embodies that? And I had to think, maybe it's you do you. Okay? You do you. It's got to be the opposite of repentance because you do you is basically... Just don't worry about it. Do your thing. Uh, you don't need to change. Be yourself, whatever that means. And just you do you, right? So that's the opposite of I'm sorry, I won't do it again. So let's compare you do you with repentance. So that red line up there, you can see you do you is kind of popular. That blue smidge on the bottom, that's repentance. There's just no comparison. You do you is definitely part of our culture. It's definitely something that we're keyed into as a culture. That might not be any surprise to you, but for me, I think that that's a problem. That's a concern to me. Because I have to wonder, how is you do you working for us? How is that working? I'm not sure it will work, because I have to wonder, are we more like the Grinch than we are the Who's? We're more like the Grinch than the Who's. So if you think about the who's, if you really think about them, they're kind of strange. And I'm not just talking about how they look. The, what they, the way they act, the things that they do. First of all, do you identify with the people who live in perfect community, always cheerful all the time? Strike one. I don't think any of us have really ever experienced that kind of thing, right? Have you, have you ever had all of your stuff stolen the day before Christmas, your food your decorations, your Christmas presents, all of it's stolen. And then the next morning you wake up, and spoiler alert, you burst into song. Okay, no, that doesn't happen, does it? And then, 
Would you ever proceed to invite the thief who stole all your stuff to dinner with you and let them host the dinner? Who does that? Nobody does that. That's not normal, okay? Now, on the opposite side, are you ever prone to petty annoyance? Are you ever prone to selfishness? Are you ever prone to even the slightest bit of vindictiveness? Are you ever prone to being mean? So the truth is, I think that we are more like the Grinch by far than we are like the Who's. And you know what? I think most of us are okay with that. This cartoon has been airing since 1966. If there weren't something that we liked about it, that we enjoyed about it, I don't think that would be the case, right? I think that we identify with the Grinch. When we, read, when we watch it, when we read the book, we see something of ourselves in it, and, we, and it's got to make us smile, right? I think there's some merit to this. If you peeked in the worship guide this morning, you saw a quote from Theodore Geisel, Dr. Seuss, and you saw that he was inspired to write the Grinch by himself. One other little fact, you know, if you're familiar with the story, that says that the Grinch had been putting up with the Who's singing for 53 years. Guess how old Dr. Seuss was when he wrote The Grinch? 53, yeah. And if you saw that quote, you know that one day after Christmas, he woke up in the morning, saw himself in the mirror, and he saw The Grinch. And he knew that there was something he needed to recapture of the joy of Christmas, and he wrote the story. And I have to wonder, for us, for you and me, when we look in the mirror, who do we see? Who do we look more like? The Grinch or the Who's? So you do you. I don't think it's going to work very well for us. We could probably use more of, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more to it than just repentance because after all, That was John the Baptist's thing, right? He was all about repentance, but he was excited about Jesus coming. So if it was just about repentance, why was he excited about Jesus coming? Jesus must be bringing something more to the table. As we continue to read in this passage, we see that that's the case, right? John begins to compare his baptism with Jesus' baptism. So let's reread that again in verse 32. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John baptizes with? And Jesus baptizes with? Yes, okay. So there must be something different going on there, right? Water. Holy Spirit, what's the difference? Well, I want to use the Grinch to illustrate what the difference is between these two and why this is important. Just imagine with me that the Grinch, the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas, ended differently. Just imagine that after the Grinch committed grand larceny and he stole everybody's stuff, that he slinks up the mountain, and as he's going up the mountain with his huge sled of stuff, he meets John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says to him, You brood of vipers, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And the Grinch says, you know, that sounds like the right thing to do. I think I will. And he slinks right back down the mountain, 
And he puts everybody's stuff right where it was, all the food, all the decorations, all the presents back under the tree. And then he slinks back out right up the mountain, never to be seen again. Because if this really is just about repentance, if someone repents like that, they don't need to like the who's. They don't need to be with them. They don't even need to like to be with them. They don't need any of that stuff. They just need to stop what they're doing. But that's not how the story ends, is it? If you know how the story ends, you know that once the Grinch steals all their stuff, he goes up the mountain, he perches his sled on a peak, and he goes down to listen for the lamentations of the Who's. And as he peeks his ear out and listens, he doesn't hear the weeping and gnashing of teeth that he expected. He hears them singing. And what's interesting about this is I want you to pay attention as he has this revelation. I want you to pay attention especially to his eyes. Let's watch this scene. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle of a saw. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches, plus two. Did you see it? Did you see how his eyes changed color from red to blue? And they say that the eyes are the windows of the soul. And I think this was very intentional on the part of the producers of this cartoon, because they wanted to illustrate that the Grinch was changing. He was changing as a person, that the inside of him was changing through and through. He was becoming a new Grinch. He was becoming a new person that could join in with the Who's, that could celebrate with them, that could rejoice with them. And that is what we're looking at. When we talk about the baptism of Jesus and what he brings in his coming, it's exactly this, that he changes, that he transforms. The baptism of John is the baptism of water. And water 
literally just goes skin deep. But the baptism of Jesus is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it goes soul deep. Jesus is in the business of heart replacement surgery. That's what Jesus is about. What's really beautiful about this passage is John is talking excitedly about Jesus' coming and that he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Is that John the Baptist is speaking to, uh, he's witnessing the culmination of centuries of yearning and promise. Hundreds of years before, God had promised, had made a prophecy through the prophet Ezekiel that he would do something like this. I want to read that passage in Ezekiel and see if you see the connection to what's happening in in, uh, John 1. In Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 25, it says, I will sprinkle, this is God speaking, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you see it there, don't you? He talks about sprinkling you clean with water. Man, that sure sounds like a baptism of repentance, doesn't it? But he doesn't stop there, right? He talks about giving a new heart, a new spirit. My spirit will I put within you. That's the promise of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. And here John the Baptist is witnessing it. Come to fruition. Here Jesus is. And he comes to give us new hearts. To give us his spirit. You know, two weeks ago, when I had that grinchy moment, I knew I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to be that kind of person. Can you imagine? I mean, what must have been going on in my heart to be grinding my teeth about giving away checks mix? How petty is that? But, you know, I, I came to a point where I just needed to let Megan know what I was experiencing, what I was feeling. And so I did. I, I confessed to her. I said, you know, I'm feeling kind of grinchy right now. And as it turns out, she was too. She wasn't feeling very happy herself. She was feeling a little grouchy and, and grumpy. So we had this moment of repentance together where we, were, we confessed to one another that we didn't want to be like that. We wanted to, to stop. But that's not where we stopped that. Megan led us in a prayer. And she, she prayed simply something like this. She said, Jesus, we acknowledge to you right now that we are grumpy and we are feeling selfish And we don't want to be like that. So Jesus, please change our hearts. Give us your spirit of joy and generosity. Amen. That evening, I knocked on a neighbor's door and I handed them a bag of Chex Mix. And I wasn't even resentful about it. I might have even smiled. And the truth is, I really was changed. By that time... Jesus had changed my heart. And what I love about this, this, this simple, silly, stupid story, is that I got to experience at that moment in time the promise that God made through Ezekiel hundreds of thousands of years ago. That God really is in the business of changing hearts, and he changed mine that day. Not the first time he's done that. And it's not the last time, I bet.
But man, I am so grateful that that's what Jesus' coming means for us. You know, I talked about how strange the who's are. How they can endure that kind of tragedy. You know, how they could extend that kind of forgiveness. But when you look back in the history of Christianity, and you look at the people who follow Jesus, you come across story after story after story of followers of Jesus who endure the worst kinds of tragedy with joy. Who extend forgiveness, incredible forgiveness. And the reason why they are able to do that is because they have the Holy Spirit of God in them. Transforming them, making them more like Jesus. You know, if nothing else, I hope this makes you think of new beginnings. We do a baptism service every year at the beginning of the year because that's exactly the kind of opportunity that is to think about new life, a new year, new beginnings. So if nothing else, if you've never been baptized, consider that an opportunity, January 5th and 6th. Maybe this is your opportunity to witness and experience God's forgiveness for you, new life. But I bet most of us, this holiday season, need something a little sooner. And maybe what you need is just a prayer, like the one that Megan prayed with me. Just an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and to change. So let's pray. Why don't you join me in a prayer? You can whisper this. You can pray it in your heart. Pray it with me. Jesus, I confess that there are parts of me, things that I do, that I don't like. Go ahead and take a moment to consider what those things are. So Jesus, I ask you to change me. Change my heart. Jesus, I invite your Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Make me new. Jesus, give me your spirit of love, of peace, of joy, of hope. Make me like you. In Jesus' name, amen.